Hello, I'm Anna Delaney, Director of Productions at Information Security Media Group. Very pleased to be joined today by Kevin Fielder, CISO at Just Eat. We'll be discussing the misconceptions behind challenges and opportunities for the implementation of an agile security framework. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. No problem. Great, great to be here. When it comes to risk management, why do you think some companies fail when adopting agile security? So I guess a lot of it will be around how you how you apply the agile methodologies to 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 security. So you know, traditionally, it's been quite a, a waterfall kind of thing. So you do your your security reviews and have your annual plans and all that kind of traditional way of doing things. Um, and you still need that kind of you know, where where are we? Where's that? Where's our goal? And I think that's one thing you need to make sure you do in an agile space is what, where are we now? Where are we trying to get to? But then what you can do is break down all of those things into smaller tasks. So our team, we still have you know, a fairly strong strategy. We've still got kind of a rough plan for the year of what we want to achieve. And um, we've got goals for how mature we want to be from a security maturity perspective. But all of the work we do, we split up into sprints and we split up into smaller chunks. So we get really good at kind of delivering value and being able to pivot and change. So so for me, it's kind of blending the two and, and not getting confused with thinking that agile doesn't mean planning and doesn't mean having a strategy. It just means your delivery is much more agile and much more able to deal with changes and things as, as you're doing that. So I guess I'm not really answering why they fail. I'm answering why I think it's good. But I think that's the, the opposing view, which is there's lots of benefits to it if you do it right. I think it's just making sure you still keep those goals in mind and have that framework and understanding of how to work and you have to have your team bought into it so you have to understand how do you split stuff up into sprints how do you kind of planning retrospective to make sure you're constantly learning and improving things getting better at estimating how much work you'll do so turning things into that's a x number of points piece of work so it means it takes a certain amount of personal hours to deliver and getting better at estimating not only how big pieces of work are but also how much work you can achieve in a given time so for example someone in our operations team who also juggles doing some instances and things Will have a much lower amount of kind of project points they can deliver in a sprint versus someone who's who's much more focused on project only delivery so understanding those things and all the standard principles around planning it estimating it and getting your team bought into it because one of the big things you have to do is empower your team to do the, the planning so i'm not saying you know, there's no way i can say to my team this sprint you're doing that and then you're doing that and this person's doing that they they have a goal they split the work up into chunks. They tell me how they're going to achieve it. They tell me how, how to best do it. And they deliver that based on their, their kind of understanding and their expertise. So you have to have a very empowered team. One of the other things we've learned is engaging with other teams early. So even if you're doing agile, it's no good us saying, right, next sprint, we need something from someone else. And then saying, hey, next week, can you do this for us? And they're like, well, we have a, a three-month planning horizon or we're fully utilized or whatever else. So we have to have a little, little bit of that forward planning to go, okay, we think we're going to need help from you next month or the month after can we schedule in this work and can you help us size it so it's also rather than us telling them hey we need a week of your time it's us saying we need you to help us do this how much work is it for you and then we put that into our plan so you really have to do a bit of forward planning if you want resources from other teams to help you otherwise you're always saying okay we're now blocked because we have to wait a month for this person's time but if you plan ahead you don't so it's all that kind of planning thing that goes with it to make it successful you can't just go hey we're going to do sprints and agile you have to understand how to plan it and understand how to get the most out of it and, and help your team deliver as much as possible so it seems like planning is a crucial element to this if you get that right you get the agility later on take me through that planning how did you go about just restructuring so yes yeah, so we kind of built the team around that and then we we we, we just decided quite some while ago now that we start making sure we delivered everything in an agile manner and we started doing that kind of planning so you go you know in the kind of traditional sense everyone gets hey we, we want to do these things one i love using because it's a really traditional waterfall type project would be vulnerability management so we're rolling out a new vulnerability management solution across the entire organization sounds super waterfall right go and choose a product roll it out 
big old fashioned project, but you can still split it up into, into small sprints. A sprint task might be vendor selection. So write an RFP or whatever, do a POC might be a few, two or three sprints across a couple of products, score them, choose them, do legal might be a sprint. So, so engage with legal and get that piece done. And then when you're rolling it out, you go, okay, we've got a bunch of offices. So this sprint may be rolled out to the Spanish office and get it reporting back to the end user team to patch and maintain things. Next sprint, roll it out to the Italian office and so on. You've turned that big project into discrete tasks. And also the benefit, you get all of the kind of agile benefits in terms of always delivering value. So every sprint we've clearly delivered value because it's now scanning another office, it's now reporting back. We're now doing vulnerability management and maintaining patches in another part of the business. But also if the people working on it have to pivot and do something else, so an urgent thing comes up, we can park it at the end of the sprint. So say after the Spanish office, so we've done the Spanish office, park it there, go and do some other work in a month's time, come back and do the Italian one the next sprint. And you haven't wasted any work where, you know, with a big waterfall project, you might do a bunch of work, get partway through it, then stop. And no one knows quite what you've got to and, and, and all those kind of things. We've always delivered value and we can always, we can pivot if we need to and still come back without having kind of lost time or wasted time. And that's one of the big wins it gets us as well is the lack of wasted time. So it's often, you know, you know what it's like, you get sort of three weeks, six weeks, three months, you've been into a project and then pivot something else and find that's all been wasted. Whereas because you have that kind of culture of trying to deliver value every, every sprint, even if you stop and do something else, you've delivered some value, you've created a new dashboard or you've done something that's added value almost every sprint. You know, it's not a perfect science, but that, that's how we try and try and do it. So we just started doing that kind of quarterly planning and then go, okay, how do we split the tasks up? So whether it's a waterfall project or a much more iterative project, can we chop it up into tasks that are small? And then can we plan each of those tasks out in, in a rough order that they should be done in uh, and then build out your sprints. And then you have a backlog of the next task. So again, if you happen to deliver more than expected in a sprint, you go, okay, I'll finish that task. What's the next thing on the backlog? You just pick that up. So you've always got a list of things to be doing next that are the most valuable and in the right order. And you've always got that plan that says, this is what we're doing. The main thing is getting the cadence. So what am I doing next sprint? What did I learn during the sprint in terms of how can I do it better? And turning all your tasks into small tasks that are kind of discrete. That's why I love the vulnerability management project as an example because you'd traditionally not think of that as a agile project but you can still just turn it into discrete tasks. Doesn't this sort of risk management require continuous training, verification, practice at all levels of the organization? How do you ensure that continuous training and what methods have worked for you? I mean in terms of my team it's just making sure they're all engaged with what we're doing and, and continuously learning so make sure every Every sprint is is something we try to learn from and get better at the next time, making sure we're on top of what our key risks are when we link our work to our risks. So I think it's that's the really important thing with security. It's in the same way as when you're kind of customer facing, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be working on anything in your organization that isn't adding value to your customers. Equally the security team shouldn't be working on anything in my organization that isn't making us safer and isn't giving us a better security posture or a better and more secure environment for our customers and all those good things. So you know, I guess it's it's agile, but also customer-centric security and make sure your whole team is, is kind of engaged in that way. So the learning for the team, obviously we do security training, everything else, but the main thing from a kind of how we work with the organization perspective is being that kind of customer-centric organization, making sure that the team understands that every interaction with us should be as positive as possible so rather than security says no security says how can we help you do that how can we achieve that securely that kind of conversation if someone comes to us with a problem it's never that finger pointing why did you do that stupid users whatever else security might have a reputation saying it's very much the how do we how do we fix this and how do we help you do it more safely next time so the learning thing is very much about the cultural piece being an engaged team that really wants to help everyone and then across the organization it's just the getting people on board with our way of working and this kind of philosophy of why we do security the way we do it and using the outputs from the the planning and the project work and everything else to demonstrate that. So 
it's very easy to kind of talk to talk about what we're doing but as soon as you start having those reports and going we promise we'll deliver this next quarter and look we did come you know adhere to our promises or keep to our promises here's the evidence here's what we did here's how it's risk management so having those kind of outputs much as it sounds a bit dull having reports and project outputs and everything else is super important because that that gives people the confidence you know what you're doing if you just talk about hey we're going to do all of this lovely stuff people are about are you sure where's the evidence when you go we promised we said here's the key risks here's the work we're doing to, to mitigate those and manage those here's what we delivered that builds that trust because you're you're demonstrating that you're doing what you're saying you're doing have you got an example of where you've had to pivot and because of this framework it was rendered easier every time we have kind of a security incident we will learn from that and then if it's a needs you know it might be as simple as a process change or updating some documentation or how we engage with a different team or who we escalate to those kind of things become really easy because they can make those changes very quickly to kind of processes there's not a million process docs they have they have kind of playbooks for things and easy ways of doing stuff so uh, and they'll all pivot. So I guess following the agile principles, we don't have a huge, big security playbook that you've got to kind of go through. It's all broken down in small chunks. So that kind of decoupled small chunk way of working means that an incident might go through three or four playbooks, but there's a clear kind of swim lane of how they do that. And to make a change in one bit, is really simple because this is a self-contained thing. If X, do X, do Y. Here's a nice self-contained small playbook for this issue or this part of the issue. So you can make that small change there without worrying about it impacting anything else. I guess, yeah, and also with, with that operational world, they have projects. So they'll be running um, a project like rolling out more monitoring or getting more logs on board or integrating the new threat intelligence platform. And as part of that, if something happens, they can pause where they are without losing the work and deal with incidents and then come back to it, that sort of thing. So it just allows us to be, you know, overuse the word agile in this kind of conversation, but allows us to be agile in our approach. Certainly in an organization like ours, it's critical that we're able to work like that in order to kind of keep up with what's going on. And on this uh, agile security journey, what's been the greatest lesson learned for you? Probably the, the dull one, which is around the, the getting buy-in. And the, I shouldn't say dull because it's really important, but the, the getting buy-in piece. So we did a great job for a while of having our plans internally and we had everything in sprints, but I didn't have it laid out in a way that was shareable. So I had you know, a JIRA board. So here's a thousand JIRA things we're working on or whatever else. We had it all in JIRA and we had all the plans and it was working fine, but we didn't get the buy-in from the kind of audit committee, more senior people because they didn't have outputs they understood. Here's how can evidence everything I'm doing because there's a really complicated output from JIRA and they're like, what's that? What's it linked to? What's it proved? How does it all work? So getting the kind of the, the turning the kind of planning cadence into the slightly more formal cadence planning and the slightly more formal put stuff into a project management tool and all of the kind of the, the tasks that you're going to deliver in the sprints in you know, the high level not kind of every single little thing into something that show that gets the buy-in from external people that i can demonstrate i think it was the biggest learning for me which is the people trust you when you can show your work and people trust you when you can show your work in a way they understand and that's really really important it's not just about us running around going look we know what we're doing and i resisted that a bit to start with so i was like look we know what we're doing you can trust us and the reality is, yes, they often do trust us because they employ us and they give us budget, but they need to see the evidence that they can trust us. They need to see the output that shows Kev says his team are working on the right things. And he's shown us they're right, working on the right things and he's shown us what they're delivering and they've got a plan. So that was the, the big learning for me, which is even when you know your stuff and you're on it, show your work in a way that your audience understands. Um, you know, we had you know, numerous audits where literally the, the, the response from us was kind of, we haven't had to change anything. We're working on everything they said we should be working on. But we got some heat because we couldn't demonstrate it well enough, whether it's from our audits or risk management or whatever else. 
make sure you can clearly have that output that says, here's all the work we're doing, here's how it's answering all the things you're concerned about, here's the plan and all that stuff. It's, it's really important and easy to resist when you, you, you know what you're doing and you, you trust your team and, and you're all over it. It's kind of like you feel like you're being questioned, but it's just they need to understand as well. So take people on that journey and tailor your outputs of your project reporting, your risk management, all of the stuff you're delivering to your audience and make sure they understand what you're doing. And then once they trust you, it gets so much easier because they trust you and you've proven they can trust you. So it's not necessarily dumbing down the language, it's how you demonstrate it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so it, it's, 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 yeah, obviously you've got the standard thing of make sure it's in language they understand, but they weren't even massively concerned, you know, if, if in the project plan, there could be a bunch of stuff around vulnerability management and things. They weren't too concerned that it was turned into too dumbed down language. They just wanted to see it in, in a plan they could clearly understand and clearly see you've got these, you know, those, those are top five risks. Oh, you're doing all of these work, which is clearly tagged as dealing with those risks. You don't necessarily need to understand that this work is tagged to that risk because they might ask a couple of questions, but it's more just having that clear linkage between what you're doing and what, what the business cares about and the risks the business care about. Great advice. Thank you so much, Kevin, for your time. No worries at all. Great to chat. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Anna Delaney.